Welcome to Doctor Who's line, is it? Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Hello listeners, and welcome back to Doctor Who's Line, is it anyway? If you remember, last week, we were reviewing An Unearthly Child Episode 1. Partly. (laughs) Um, Yes, well. Well, we're finishing it off this week because we went on for two and a half hours. So this is the second part of that review, where hopefully we'll actually stay on topic a little bit more. Fingers crossed, eh? You never know. It's us. Who can say? Anyway, over to us to continue the review. Star Trek for me was I would hide behind the chairs because we would always watch this every Sunday night. Everybody showed up when I was little at my grandmother's house forever. And we would go down there. There would be certain shows that were on. Star Trek started the evening out. Scared the... Well, no. Ed Sullivan started the evening and then Star Trek scared the living crap out of me so I'd hide behind the chair and watch it watch for the monsters is this Ed Sullivan or Star Trek both because Ed Sullivan scared me too but except for Topo Gijo oh oh I just have a heart a bit big soft place in my heart for Topo Gijo we um, got Topo Gijo got who to watch did you get him too Topo Gijo who was a mouse a cartoon yes. mouse like a puppet he was we a got marionette him. yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, did, I don't remember that did you that. see it when when they said the goodbye after Ed Sullivan had died, did you see that? That broke my heart. And he said goodbye, Eddie. And no, we like, never we never got Ed Sullivan, but we did get we did get Topo Gigi. So was it was it an actual because sh- we didn't get the show. We never got that. I barely remember it, but I do I do remember um, I do remember there were there were various comics at the time that Topo Gigi was involved in, and I and I remember I can vi- I can picture. I can picture the the mouse in black and white, of course, but I can picture him. Oh wow! See, we didn't know there was um, a show. So we obviously we got that over here. Yeah, I, I yeah. It's it's don't remember that at all. It's surprising. Some of the things, yeah. some of the things that I hear people talking about yeah. from, you know, from either from America or from Canada, that I think, oh yeah, we got that. You know, they they talk on Radio Free Scarra about Rocket Robin Hood that we definitely got over here and The Littlest Hobo which we definitely got yep. over here as well oh I used to love that that had the best theme tune ever you might want to rephrase that bearing in mind the programme that we were talking about here which I don't <laughs> I really don't think you can one of the best themes still had the best theme tune no actually I tell a lie the best theme tune ever was Galloping Home the theme to Black Beauty oh I still love that that was that wasn't bad. I like white horses as well. Oh yes. Oh man, we we didn't get that either. That was good. Well, that and was... Saf- Sapphire and Steel was a bloody good title sequence. Blake Seven was a bloody good title sequence. Yeah, that was great. I liked that one a lot. The original Hawaii Five O. The Persuaders was a yeah. bloody good title sequence. I really would love to see Sapphire and Steel because I know that Jenny talks about it a lot. But but Blake Seven was oh my god, I loved the. Oh my God! I can't even say enough about the ending. The ending was like perfect, and that I wished a lot of, of American shows would see that and go, "That's the way to end a show." Yeah. Yeah. No, no. If you're gonna end because, it, end it. Spoilers, <laughs> just in case anybody hasn't seen the ending of Blake Seven. No, I didn't say any, I didn't say anything. I'm just like, that's the way to end a show. Thirty nine years after it was broadcast, just in case. <laughs> in case, yeah. That spoiler here. I'm not going to say how it ended, but I mean, just, yeah. If you're going to end yeah. the show, end it. Yeah. And don't, oh, we may bring somebody back. We may, we may. It's like. Yeah. There was still talk of them being able to do that. Actually. Yeah, I heard that too. That only one might be, might be. No, it was Avon and Villa were the, were the two because you don't actually see any shot with Villa. He just falls. And the, the theory would be that he saw what was going on and and flopped to make it look like he was he was shot whereas he hadn't actually been shot so that he could then subsequently escape 
Ah. See, I heard that the only one that would have taken it would have been... I can't think of her name. Not Sulin. Dana? Yes. Dana was definitely Dana. shot. Taryn that was Dana definitely was shot. shot. And Sulin was definitely shot. And see, that they were saying that Dana would have been shot because she was and, shot by... And Blake was, Blake was shot big time. <laughs> he was dead. Yeah. But the fact that um, the others could have been stunned... This is an unusual re- uh, review of uh, an unearthly child. <laughs> it's an, it's, yes, it is. We've sort of jumped all over the place. It's called the wandering tangent. <laughs> it is. We cannot stick to a topic to save our lives. <laughs> or save a time place. limit. No. Well, we, well are coming to, we are coming to an end, so we really ought to go back to an unearthly child just to... Uh, because we're only talking about bloody episode one for crying out loud. We've talked, we've talked <laughs> three times the length of the episode stuff. <laughs> Some of which has actually been about the episode. Um, oh, and the TARDIS interior is gorgeous. Oh, the TARDIS yes. interior is, is yes. spectacular. And it's yes. huge in comparison yes. to, to how big it was even further on in the same season. Yeah. I don't think it ever became because obviously it was it was just a movable set and so they they'd reconstruct it but they wouldn't ever reconstruct it in quite the same way um, because they just figured well no one will know I and mean, nobody really paid any attention back then bearing in mind you know we were talking about 425 lines black and white people watching things on tiny little screens yeah uh, they yeah, really yeah. wouldn't have been paying that much attention to, and and of course it was it was a week in between the, the episodes and so it's like oh well yeah then, but you can watch remember. it now on a 55 inch screen and it looks glorious it does it's, it's spectacular it really does the thing that get that got me was the ability to be able to map the shots so that the cameras did not cross when they were talking about moving the cameras and that there were about the cables and the various things yeah. with the cables and that the cables were causing so much of a problem and that they were running over the cables and they were bumping into each other and all kinds of things. It was just amazing to me to hear the documentary of the making of Unearthly Child. Yeah. Well, of course, the BBC got very, very adept at doing this over time because everything was shot in the same way. It was all three cameras. And so, you know, when obviously when things were, were first starting in that way then there were some teething troubles but they they soon got the hang of it and and the produ- productions became very very slick as a result of that they they became very adept at using the three cameras to the best ability and it was a good way of of recording things because obviously you'd shoot things from three different angles mm. or you could or that you could have or you or you'd have you'd have one camera focusing on one person talking, one camera focusing on another person talking, so you could split between the two, and then the third camera focusing on on the the long shot, the wide shot. Um, so they could they could switch around between these, and obviously in these days of single camera, you know, you end up having to just redo the scene several times. So there's a lot to be said for a multi-camera technique, and I think a lot of people would like to see multi-camera, multi-camera yeah. coming back in as well. So that you could you could shoot whole scenes without a break. Um, well, and that would that would help the actors so much as opposed to okay, let's do it from this angle. Okay, let's do yeah. it from over here. Okay, we're going to so we can do it from. And of course, back then, just... they would awesome. uh, the actors would get would get together, um, and rehearse for two weeks before they they filmed. And and then they'd go in and they'd know where they were standing. They'd know where they had to move to. They'd have everything mapped out in the rehearsal room so that they knew where everything was, so they didn't bump into things. They'd know the lines. They they get the chance to be not just with the regular cast, obviously, but with the guest cast coming in. So they'd all get to know each other. So they had that rapport, and they'd iron out these little things that that potentially you know could cause problems. It was a play, and, it, and, and yeah, and, and it was it was effectively a play. Whereas these days, the actors learn the lines, they turn up on the day, and that's what they do. There is no rehearsal, with with the exception of a possibly very you know they might run through it once before they film it, mm. and that's that. It's completely changed the way it all comes. The cast, the cast, quite often, apart from the read through, won't see each other before they actually film, which strikes me as as being. St- still now an odd way of going about things yeah 
You would think that the rehearsal time together would save so much time as opposed to flubs, as opposed to yeah, as opposed to making them more of a cohesive unit as opposed, you know, instead of yeah. You're over here and you're over here, you know what I mean? I suppose I suppose this is all down to um, the fact that if you had two weeks worth of rehearsal before you started filming, then that was two weeks you had to pay your actors before everything was filmed, on on across the yeah. board on everything, as opposed to right turn up on the day and do your bit. That's that's that. So I suppose that's possibly where a lot of it comes from, and obviously just just the speed of turning things around. I mean, you think about what they're doing now, where it takes them six to nine months to film a series. And they're doing it that way. And can you imagine if they had two weeks rehearsal for every episode as well? Mm. On top of on top of that, it would yeah. just it would be incessant. But, yeah, that would but be um, shit on a mongoose! I shouldn't have picked that. Yeah, poor mongoose. Sorry, I picked a scab, and now it's bleeding, and I shouldn't yeah. have done it. I should have just left it the f- alone. But no, like a five-year-old <laughs> child, I had to go and pick it. <laughs> So, an unearthly child. What do we think about the whole Susan mystery and the fact that the teachers get involved and not only get involved, but they decide to to do something that you probably wouldn't get away with doing now, which is to follow the, follow the student back home yeah. afterwards surreptitiously. Yeah. A little creepy. Uh, oh, I like that. Would, that it would is... definitely get you a visit from the police in the US. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'd, However, you'd be arrested over here, but yeah, I, I like it. In I, 1963, yeah. in 1963, a teacher would do that in the U.S. to make a welfare check. If yeah. they thought something was going on that wasn't right in that era, the teacher may show up at the door and knock on the door to make sure that the child is okay and do a welfare yeah. check. Not, not, yeah. the, not the DCFS. Well, that, that used to happen in the U.S. up until the 80s, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, though, with this, there was nothing concrete. They were going on the fact that this girl was just a little bit odd. She, you know, certain things that she did, like like Barbara said, or, or Ian said, she's brilliant at some things, and other things she's totally clueless. Yeah. And the stuff that she's totally clueless about is the stuff that really she should she shouldn't have any issue with, and the stuff that she's brilliant at brilliant at is the stuff that she shouldn't have any reason to know you know like then then giving the example of the four di- the, the three dimensions and and, and yeah. susan going but it's impossible mr chesterton you can't work it out using only three of the dimensions mm. and he goes oh well what's the fourth one space i suppose what do you make the fifth one time which obviously isn't actually how it would how it would work anyway but um and the contemplation, but, yeah, and, and the contemplation that the music that she's listening to is classical. Yes, yes, and then oh, the whole yeah. litmus paper thing. It just, just yeah, well, it's just, it's just, it's irrelevant, isn't it? Obviously, it's going to turn from red into blue. Why not? Why not just, you know, use two active chemicals, and then red can turn into blue all on its own, and we can get on with something more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these these brilliant, brilliant ideas, and this, and just the fact that their their interest is piqued by this, and they're basically just curious, and they want to find out what's going on. And yeah. so they track her to uh, her home address, which doesn't seem to exist. It's a junkyard. And and this watching this for the first time must have just been, people must have been thinking, what is going on here? I I and in the same way as I think when you start to watch it now, even though you know what's going to happen, you're you're just drawn in by it. You want to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, and it's uh, so well put together. And I do, I do love when it becomes oh, yeah. clear that uh, he refers to uh, sorry Ian refers to. The doctor is Doctor Foreman, and uh, you've got that lovely yeah. uh, Doctor Who. Who's he talking about? Doctor, doctor Who. And What's he talking about? You know that it's quite clear that she's just using Foreman as a pseudonym because that's the name of Don the Junkie. Yeah. 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 And the, so, the idea of running in when she hears Susan running into this box that is tiny, running into this box finding herself, holy crap, what the heck is going on here? Boom, Ian comes in, boom, the doctor comes in, shuts the door, oh, off that we is, go. That, that is so yeah. well done, isn't it? Because you've, you've got this, they've, expi- they've explored the junkyard, Susan's in there somewhere, they can't find her because obviously she's gone into the TARDIS. 
and so they find the police box and he's like what's this going on and then Ian Ian touches it and he sort of jumps back doesn't he he goes it's alive yeah because there's this hum there's this vibration coming from it and he doesn't understand it and then the doctor comes in and distracts him and then there's this whole you know he's threatening to to call the police because he's trespassing and what have you and then Susan's voice comes out and and then there's the whole oh I'll go in there and you don't get you just get this jump cut don't you from their outside to suddenly their inside you know they've gone through the doors and suddenly you're in this space much bigger and brighter and cleaner than they've been in mm. and you know they've just gone into this box and people must have been thinking what? no hang on <laughs> <laughs> what's this now? because this was completely new to here. everybody yeah and then, of course, obviously you get the, you know, you get the discussion between the Doctor and the companions and Susan and the companions and and then the dawning realisation that the Doctor's thinking, well, they've seen this now. They'll go and tell the authorities. They'll go and tell the police. They're going to come. We, we, we have to go. And he's obviously thinking, you know, if we don't get a move on, then who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And and I don't think he's actively thinking about kidnapping them. He's just thinking about getting away. Self-preservation, yeah. Self-preservation. Yeah. And if you take this back to, obviously, stuff that we've discovered very, very recently, would this be because he's got this natural inclination to to escape because people have been after him? We know that he's purportedly run away from his his uh, his home world because he got bored there because of the, what have you but we also now know that he has been part of the division he's been on presumably working for them getting missions and in some way shape or form something has happened to that because the division obviously have been after him so is this the actual reason why he ran away after having his memory wiped and the only thing he could think of was oh, I'm, I'm, I just need to get away from here this, is, this isn't right I don't like the society here and in his own mind back then thinking that he was just fed up with it this is why, why what's happened in the recent past has shaken things up without actually changing anything because you can still use the, the, the version that we've known for all that time if you want yeah. Or you can you can suppose that something something else outside of that has happened. It's very cleverly done. Very, very cleverly done. It really does leave it down to the individual at this moment in time anyway, leaves it down to the individual viewer and what they what they want to to make of it. Okay, so if you go that way, he very easily could have pushed them out of the TARDIS and taken off. It wouldn't have made a difference who they would have told. There would have been no police box there. And who's going to believe the them? The policeman would have thought, yeah, the policeman would have thought mm. they were boozing it up and having a party. And what are you doing in the junkyard? A and B. Yeah. What are you even talking about? There's no police box there. But 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 isn't if, there also isn't there also the bit where Ian says you're coming with me? I'm going to the police and you're coming with me. And I was like, I am not. Yeah. Right, but. Yeah. He he literally could shove him and out. And so that's the reason why, because if he tried to just shove them, bearing in mind, you know, he, he is, despite everything, he is an old man at this point, and Ian is, is a young, strong man, and potentially could have um, easily sort of manhandled him out. So rather than starting that kind of altercation, which he was possibly not likely to win, the Doctor's inclination is, OK, we just need to get away, and we'll deal with the consequences as and when. Mm-hmm. Sue's silence. Yeah, <laughs> says, I don't know. The... I think that I think he still could have, because he almost electrocuted him. I think that there would have been a way for him to force Ian out of the. Out well, of you there. you say he 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 almost electrocuted him, but I mean, think, you know, we, he didn't. We, we know that he didn't, but there was a there was definitely a shock. But Ian isn't even knocked out by that. He's just ooh, that's live, ow, kind of thing. So. Oh, actually, he he just presses it, and and Susan shouts at him, "No, don't! It's live." And that I think was the Doctor trying to stop Ian from touching the controls because obviously he had, he would have no idea what they did, and we know that it's potentially very dangerous. 
so well, we get this we get this scenario then after that obviously when the doctor sort of surreptitiously doing things to the control susan realizes what he's doing and the doctor actually takes off it's, all, it's almost as if the the doctor as a higher species sees i don't know maybe humans are sort of like maybe we do cattle or things like that and puts up an electric fence and thinks well that'll keep them away from that yeah although possibly looking at the human race as something slightly more dangerous and mm. potentially dangerous as cattle you know more akin to to say for example you know the the, the relationship between humans and 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 monkeys or apes yeah where we are fascinated by them we know that there's this similarity between them but that they would also eat your face if they had the opportunity yeah yeah um, and seeing the seeing humanity as that kind of threat because he hasn't been around them enough to know all the finer details if you like and the nuances and the the, the good side let's for, let's not forget that at this that at this time his favorite period of human history was the french revolution <laughs> <laughs> But what you were saying before, if his problem with the division and he's running and, and all that and he's running, he comes here and these two people suddenly show up unannounced, run into his TARDIS, act surprised, they could be part of the division, mm. and he takes off like, the hell you're going to go tell anybody, boom, that's the other thing. Otherwise, yeah. he seriously could have, I mean, we, we see him as an old man. But again, because of what he was, he had possibilities of getting them outside along with talking to Barbara and Barbara pulling Ian outside. We don't need to go. We don't need to be here. We don't need... If it would have been just Dr. Human, but he may have been thinking, if now with everything that's come up, now, not back then, with everything that's come up, they could have actually... He could have thought, well, they finally got me. Fine, I'll take them with me. I, I don't think we need to look at it quite like that because we know that the Doctor has only recently discovered that there was the division that they, that he, he she was part of the division. So, and we know that after at the end of every sort of incarnation, the Doctor's having his mind wiped or her mind wiped at that point. So, if we're assuming that it's immediately after this kind of thing that that this has happened that we then have the Hartnell Doctor grabbing Susan and escaping I just thought of something doesn't then th there would have been some kind of maybe sort of like almost like a race memory kind of thing that having to escape and, and having somebody after him and, and the fact that you know these two people are completely unknown to him have invaded his his home his his personal space, his private area. I don't, don't want to be inv <laughs> invading William Hartnell's private area. I'm going to say. And at that point, I, I think with anybody, you could say it's fight or flight. Susan's not going to fight them. There's two of them. She seems to be on their side. It's a young man. He's he's obviously by Time Lord standards, he's a young man, but his particular incarnation is quite old he's obviously we see this many many times that he's not he, he is he's quite frail in many ways so i think the natural inclination at that point would be it's fight or f fight or flight so flight and just yeah. grabbing the opportunity to just get out of there so. I wonder if the tardis has toilets or whether he travels back in time to an hour before he needed a shit <laughs> You know, I wondered the same thing, Darren. I said, I wonder if anybody pees. Just travel Did back. Just pee? travel back an hour. I, d I didn't need a shit then, so. <laughs> <laughs> I have weird thoughts popping in my mind. You never hear a flush, though. Since you never hear a flush on the show, I guess there isn't a toilet, so they have to go find something. There's no bogs on the Land Enterprise. Land the damn thing. Land it. It's, it's not the turdis, is it? <laughs> No one ever craps in um, these shows. Star Trek, so, anything like that. Think about this. Where would they dump... Yeah, Star Trek. Where do they dump their tanks? <laughs> in, in space, no one can hear you fart. But to be fair, 
when you consider how much how much time over the years we've spent with you know the crew of the enterprise the crew of the tardis and what have you if you were to factor in all the toilet breaks into that dear god it would have extended things dramatically and made it very boring have you have, have you seen the one with Hugh yeah. Laurie I've, I've forgotten what it's called uh what the hell's it called but they dump all the um excrement out of the speed uh, out of the ship and it starts orbiting it <laughs> and they're just tra- they're just traveling through space with an orbit of shit around the thing it's hilarious what the hell's it thing called <laughs> Um, Professor, I was like wondering, a... where would you dump your tanks? He'd be like, ah, oh, that looks like a good place. <laughs> and then they eject something else into it and it starts glittering. It's, um, what the bloody hell's the program called for the love of God? I don't know, has it got, has it got anything to do with cat? <laughs> uh, Hugh Laurie plays a captain of a ship. It's, uh, it's a comedy. I don't remember anything. It, it's a series. A series like that. Uh, it sounds like it might be part of a of a bit of Fry and Laurie. It sounds like it could be a no a- Avenue Five. That's a series. If you get a chance, check it out. It's uh, really good. They've done they've done the first series, and it's it's so good. Ooh. Avenue Five. Okay. Okay. Well, God, that's funny. Because I always wondered the same thing. Is like uh, um, RVs have to dump. So where do you dump all the waste in the uh, Enterprise and the TARDIS? Yeah, but quite clearly these are. <laughs> these are the kind of it's, it's like the it's mountains like, they land on. It's like, what do you think powers the food replicators on the Enterprise? Oh, oh dear God! Well, you it's know what like I was in, thinking. It's is... like whenever they're on the Enterprise and you and you see some big fight scene and things get thrown around and smashed or whatever, or on the TARDIS when you know when there's repairs to be made. These are not the scenes that you're going to see. They are not the interesting scenes. So I the want scenes to hear a toilet thinking, flush. The things of people going to the toilet. I mean, for all you know, every time, every time there's somebody, the doctor's in the console room, and one of the companions comes in, that's where they've just been. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need it explained. Uh, well, I just want to hear someone fart. I want to hear someone flush a toilet. But Mrs. Push. But Mr. Yeah, Spock. That could be. Yeah. But maybe the toilets be. are bigger on the inside. But Mr. Spock. <laughs> though she's a beautiful alien woman, Mr. Spock. I didn't have sex with her, so I'm just off for a wank. <laughs> <laughs> and then all you hear is. As Spock does the Vulcan salute, and Kirk thinks, ooh, <laughs> that's a good shape. <laughs> No, look, moving on. Moving back to an unearthly child, because we're wrapping this up in a minute. <laughs> You've been um, saying that for 35 minutes. Yeah, I I've know. been saying that for nearly two hours. Um, I've just done an impression of Kirk doing a wank. That was not something that I had planned in the evening. <laughs> Should we just go on and score this and uh, f*** off to bed? Let's score this episode. Just before we score it, we, we do have one thing that we have to mention, which is, of course... After the TARDIS takes off, we get the slightly bizarre thing that Ian and Barbara both fall unconscious, which never happens again. Uh, And we also get the full TARDIS effect. And you see the Earth disappearing into the background and you get all the howl-around effects and what have you before you then get the closing shot of the episode with the TARDIS on we don't know where, as it turns out, it's prehistoric Earth, and then the shadow of the person looming up over it, and then cut, cut to uh, closing credits. So it's a damn good final uh, cliffhanger because you could say yeah. it's the whole yeah. thing from the TARDIS taking off to where the hell are they now? To what the hell is that shadow? Mm. Well, why did they pass out unless they were just un- unaccustomed to? Well, you wouldn't feel a G-force inside there, so. Why did they pass well, you out? You wouldn't, because the whole thing is uh, the whole thing is in a different dimension. This is the whole point exactly. about it. And this is why I'm always perplexed with when you when you see shots of the TARDIS spinning around in space when it's not in space at all. It travels through as a time vortex. Yeah, you've got you've and, got things like Tegan saying, "Doctor, I'm getting space sick." No, you're not. <laughs> Don't be stupid. You're getting, you're getting vortex sick. Yeah. So yeah, so we you know, you know the the full TARDIS effect for the first time, 
which clearly they were never going to do every time because it takes about a minute so that's obviously too long to use each time and so naturally they cut that down but that, it's a cracking finish to the yeah. episode oh, it is. and just the, the whole thing from start to finish from you could say the most the most boring part of the whole thing is is when it, we're just panning around the junkyard at the beginning and from that moment after we, we, we sort of focus on the TARDIS for the first time to the end of the episode it rattles along yeah, and you, you you don't it doesn't feel like 22 minutes it feels like about 5 minutes mm-hmm. it is such a good episode and yeah. it does leave you also with a very frightful image as a child if a child looking at it here are these two companions completely passed out here's this thing hurling through space landing you don't know where and something looming over it how frightening and it's a children's program it's so 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 good for a children's program. It it, it so wasn't so ahead of its time. Mm. So beautiful. The, 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 the bizarre thing really is that the first episode, it, obviously, it clearly it, it drew people in, and it did. You know, it got a following as a result of that, but it never really took off until the Daleks came in, and you'd have thought that the first episode alone would have been enough to make people think wow I really need to I'm going to tell yeah. all my friends about this I really need to you'd have you'd have thought that the second episode um would have would have really shot up as a result of what happened in the first episode and it didn't really take off until you know like episode 2 of the Daleks when things suddenly really started to go up and from that point onwards it got you know bigger figures and bigger figures and then massive well, hike again when the Daleks came back yeah, I think that's but that's was... that's bringing in an alien threat. I think rather than a a human yeah. threat. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. The, the, and clearly well, that you know that that did, that did capture the it captured the the audience's imagination. Yeah, without a doubt. But just just because the first episode is so strong and so good, you would have thought that more people would have wanted to see what the hell was going on the next week based on everything that they'd seen already. Yeah, right. Whether you were child teen or adult watching with your children you would have thought god i want to find out what the heck happened yeah. i want to know what this thing is and of course moving. back in back in those days you know you did get the family viewing yeah. stuff that was on on that that time would have got the, the the family audience and so you had the stuff there that would have appealed to to the dads you would have had i think the fact that we had the strong female characters that would have appealed to the mothers and Obviously, it it was aimed at children, but it was done in a in a quite an adult way, which in mm-hmm. itself appeals to kids. You know, when when we were growing up, Darren, if you think about the kids programs that were on, you very rarely saw kids in kids programs. No, that's right. No, that's very true. It was all adults in kids programs, because you know the, part of it was probably down to. You know the the actors themselves, and the fact that they didn't they didn't tend to use child actors that much, but it was also the fact that that's that kids would aspire to things. They would they would be learning from things. Mm. They would be entertained by things, and and so that was that was what you saw. It was it was adults, so it was treated in an adult way, and and that's what the kids would have been been looking for. Yeah, so, I think that's why. I really appreciate British TV. I mean, it's for children here and there, like you were saying, they're learning, they're having adults, they're having this. You don't see a lot of child actors. We do. Yeah. There were. There were a lot of children actors. Yeah. I mean, to, to, let, let's not forget, you know, that we're we're using Susan as the the the, the child identification mm-hmm. figure, mm-hmm. and Very she's true. supposedly what sixteen. Yeah. Well, claims to be sixteen. I mean, she could so, have been three. Claims to be sixteen. She could have been three hundred. Yeah, exactly. We don't know, but, so, but yeah. you know, obviously, she's she's a, she's at school, but she's and we have little Timmy down the well. You know, I mean, yeah. come on, it's it's there's a difference between Lassie saving little Timmy who's down the well because he yeah. can't figure out that the damn hole is there, and yeah. a sixteen-year-old. And the question being, she's too brilliant and yet not brilliant enough. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And interestingly, of course, when the the Dalek films are made, 
with Milton Subotsky behind them, obviously an American. Uh, he's looking at things from a more American perspective, and Susan becomes a 10, 11-year-old girl, yeah. as opposed yes. to a 16-year-old. She becomes a much younger figure. Yeah. Because the idea was to appeal to an American audience more. Because if, if someone... Oh, my God, are you flipping kidding me? There's a damn beat. Hold on a second. I'm just going to back in and out. I cannot believe that I'm being swarmed by these. <laughs> it is... They're not murder hornets, are they? I am in my car. It could be. I'm in my they car. They are if you're allergic to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no shit. Every one oh, of them damn. is murder hornet if you're allergic. Um, I'm in right. my car. It's absolutely dark as as night outside because it is yes. night. And yes. it's night here. It's nearly three o'clock in the morning here. So yeah, it's only eight o'clock here. A very, a very co- convenient point to say that uh, yes, we should probably score this one um, and then bring things to a close. So, Robin, I really liked it. I would give it a solid nine. Okay. And it was an introduction to a show, something new and different that most people have never seen before. I mean, the programming was marketed towards children, but there was intrigue in there and mystery to appeal to adults, too. So it kind of crossed across the demographic. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So. Ten. That's, I just, why, does this, why does this come as no surprise to anybody? <laughs> well, because... Because everything that Robin just said, because it doesn't talk down to you in any way, shape, or form, whether you're a child, adult, it doesn't, it doesn't pander to this young audience saying, and now this is why, and it does not give you a sympathetic doctor. It gives you the doctor as a little bit of an evil person because yeah. he is not lovable. He is not sympathetic, and he definitely is not somebody that children would run up to and go, oh, I love you. Uncle yeah. no. I think it's very. I think it's very safe to say that back in that time, the Doctor may have been the title character, but Ian was probably right. the hero, and Barbara was the, sort of the follow-up, the heroine to it. The Doctor was almost the tertiary character mm. in a way. Yes, very much so. Obviously, it's it, it changed quite rapidly as it went on. It became very quickly became more of an ensemble piece and then eventually not that long down particularly when Ian and Barbara went it was then it was the Doctor from that point onwards but in the, I think right back at the beginning we were almost more looking at looking at Ian as the as mm-hmm. the lead character really well and I'll, I'll change that I would say I'm looking at Barbara because he defers to her a lot Ian defers to her what do you think what do they, oh, let's go this way I think that I'll give it a 10 all the time because of everything I said and because it gives you Barbara as a very strong, strong, yeah. per, you know, um, character. And that character goes through. So a lot of my scoring is going to be very high. It's going to be very high just because of this. We know it's, this. It's just such a wor- well, it's always high. <laughs> a, I think the actors are amazing. I'm sorry, guys. It is what it is. I think the actors are amazing, but this just does, it does so much in such a short period of time with yeah. such great actors and no pandering and that's what and I no love no pandas either for that matter uh, Randy. no pandas yeah <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to match Robin and give it a 9 uh, again pretty much agreeing with everything that's been said that it does supposedly a children's show but does not sound like a children's show it's not talking to children even the identification character in Susan doesn't act childish and there's just some wonderful dialogue in the yeah. first TARDIS scene when they're trying to figure out what's going on and the doctor is giving them cryptic half explanations and yeah. really <clears throat> effective in getting people to tune in for the next one good 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 right Darren uh, yeah I, I, I can only echo what everyone else has said Is it's it's haunting, it's atmospheric, it's intriguing. It introduces a brilliant cast straight off the bat. It's a 10 all the way. Yes! Thank you, Darren. I am high-fiving it's, it's, you across... It's just, it's just a... It's just a... It's a fabulous episode. It's glorious. It's, and it's such a seminal moment in television history. How can you not, oh, God, how yeah. can you not love it? It's, it's, it's wonderful. I agree. 
And I'm high-fiving yeah. you from across the pond. High-five, high-five. High-five, boobs. I think that there are, th- there are three episodes of Doctor Who from the black and white era that are all first episodes that really, really stand out. One is episode one of the Space Museum, which is in itself, it's intriguing for other ways. It's a crack of an episode. The the rest of the story falls down very much in comparison. It's still not bad, but but episode one is an absolute belter. Uh, Episode one of the Web of Fear is an absolute corker yes and it's one of the reasons why that story was regarded as such a classic before until people could actually see it because we you know we had a novelization which was very good but episode one was absolutely brilliant such atmospheric tv and the third one obviously is episode one of an unearthly child which is you know technically from a production standpoint it may have got its flaws there may not have because of the way things were filmed in in the day you know it may not be perfect from from an acting standpoint with things not quite being as people would necessarily have wanted them to be but from a story standpoint from a, an intrigue standpoint from the way it set up the series it has to be a 10 it is one of the <clears throat> best episodes of television that there has ever been yeah so, Holy cow, I, Miles! That's the first time you've given anything a ten. I just think, well as, a, a, on, as, as an episode on itself, to to, start, to stand out, you know, I think you 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 absolutely have to. Yeah. And we're so lucky that we have something of this caliber as the first episode of the show mm. that we all love, because it may struggle to match that in every sense for a very long time and it's wonderfully fascinating that we have the pilot episode to compare it to as well yes yeah yes. and that in itself is bloody good yes it is well you know, and I was thinking different. it's different and I think the I think the, the transmitted version is better yes yeah. but you know I think if they if they put the, the the pilot episode out I think it still would have been a remarkable piece of television oh, no doubt the thing that amazes me too is that it has changed so many lives. Yeah, yeah. and brought so many yes. people together. That it inspired people to go into acting, and yes, yes, brought them together, changed lives, started them into a path where they may have become actors on Doctor Who. Yeah, eventually, you know, things like that. I mean, there's there are a lot of fans that became actors on Doctor Who who become doctors. So it's just so many lives were changed by this one children's program this one episode changed so many lives i mean none of you yeah. none of you would have had the privilege of knowing me <laughs> exactly darren <laughs> i don't know they they may have followed some of your exploits on but no i mean prime watch or <laughs> i mean because because of this show i was best man to um, my best friend uh, i met him because of doctor who i had a little doctor who group that i used to run and I, I became his best friend. I became his best man. Um, you know, this this show is life changing, and I think people underestimate that. Oh, we've had people yeah. who've who've got married because of Doctor Who. We've got yeah. We've got people yes. whose entire careers have been shaped because of Doctor Who. We've had people who've who've yes. had lifelong friendships. I say that that the, the show itself has shaped who I am at this moment in time. Oh, without, yeah, without a doubt. Because I've followed it through my whole life. I've followed the ethos of the programme. The friends I've made in real life, the friends I've made on Twitter and things like that. And yeah. yeah. You can't underestimate the power of that. Just because of one television show, it's incredible. You absolutely can't. Yeah. And it all started from this point. Especially now. Yeah. Exactly. As a mild curiosity in a junkyard. Yeah. Yes. Now, you all deserve jolly good spank bottoms if you don't go to bed and leave me alone. <laughs> F- off. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that this may end up as a two-parter. This episode because oh. it's running. Well, it's about two hours long. It's it's we're eight minutes short of two hours at this moment in time. Uh, it's only a twenty-minute episode. I know. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, we did spend half the episode talking about other stuff. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> 
True, but... So it is It is three o'clock in the morning now, and I do have to go to bed. So, wonderful that this has been. And, and I... Oh. <laughs> Before Julie makes you sleep on the sofa. Yeah, well... <laughs> She's like, don't be, don't be too, don't be too late coming to bed. No, don't be silly. We're only talking about one twenty-five minute episode. It's not going to, not going to take that long. <laughs> you better slink. You better be. <laughs> I recommend chocolate and wine. Get out of my face, or I will f you up. <laughs> and flowers. Chocolate and wine. Maybe some good massage oil. Sorry, moth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are you talking about? It? I'm sorry. I was being attacked by a moth. Fuck off. Fucking thing. <laughs> Mothra's in the house. Wow, it must be. Sarah's the... been attacked by a moth. Sue's <laughs> been attacked by a bee. Miles is worried it's, it's... about being attacked by an angry spouse, and I'm suggesting, <laughs> I'm suggesting measures to alleviate said aggression. <laughs> right. Well, I'm I'm off to find some chocolate, wine, and massage oil then. I shall bid you all uh, a very good night, and and a very good night to all of you at home, listeners, to tie it into another another black and white William Hartnell episode. <laughs> yeah, but what he said that has brought us all together and changed all of our lives and made us yes. lifelong friends. Yes. How's that? Yes. yes. Well, I don't know about lifelong. I mean, some of you are all right, but fine, sixty, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll, we reckon we can probably manage a couple of weeks more anyway. So. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. So it's goodbye from me. Okay. Good night. Goodbye from him and her and her. And it's good night from me. And me. Oh, and her. And... Yes. It's good night from the boobs. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. <laughs> good night. Okay. They bid you adieu. Adieu. No, no, I will have the last f***ing word, I swear to God. <laughs> night, night, my darlings. Night, night. So, there you have it, listeners. That's a bit more like it, isn't it? Crikey, actually talking about the episode for most of that. Brilliant. Much more like it. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Next week, we've got something else for you. Uh, a little bit more improv coming up. Hooray, you all cry. Good stuff. So, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Uh, it's like a long time that we've been talking now. Yes. I've been holding a microphone the entire time. My hand has gone numb. <laughs> Don't you have a tripod? No, I never particularly like the series. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> Robin. Question. Yes. Sending I the file. Have an answer. Yes. yes. Are, are you going yes. to be able to do it? Yes. As in, as in. Shit on so it. That, as it. As it. No, just send it. <laughs> it's very slowly saving because it goes through a conversion process. Yeah. The Skype call is two hours and thirty-four minutes long. Wow. Oh, <laughs> Next Sunday is. Fugitive of the Judoon, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, I yes. can. Is that next weekend? 24th, yeah. That's next weekend. Oh, f*** me in the ear. I didn't realise that. Okay, listeners, well, first of all, if you'd like to get involved with Doctor Who's Lines It Anyway, there are plenty of ways you can do so. Just find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, you can reach us that way and make any suggestions that you like. We would like suggestions. We really would like some suggestions this time because we're going to do a special in a few weeks' time. Uh, we are going to have various celebrities involved, and this is fully involved by Skype, which is going to be good. We're looking forward to it. We are going to do it as an open donation thing, the same kind of way as Toby Haydoke does with Who's Round. We're going to put a donation link at the beginning and the end of the episode to basically to the NHS. 
We think the NHS needs as much help as it can get at this moment particularly and obviously going forward. Uh, it's dreadfully underfunded and donations from good people like yourselves are what helps to keep it going basically it helps to keep the entire country going and we've seen in these recent weeks and months just exactly how important that is and so there's never a better time to try and help them out so that's what we're going to do we've got various as I say various celebrities coming in and involved with this particular project because of what it is so that's going to be special we are going to do no I better not say what we're going to do because they could still change realistically what we're going to do I'll tell you what we're going to do the plan is we're going to do Fugitive of the Jadoon as an episode okay um, so we're going to have some very special guests as I say involved with that the reason it might change is because if we suddenly get an influx of, of uh, various celebrities wanting to take part we will need to pick another episode because there aren't enough roles to go around but realistically we are probably going to be doing Fugitive of the Jadoon uh, so what we would like is is a plot. If you could send in ideas for a plot. If there are any lines that you would like any particular character to say, then let us know those and we will do what we can to get those into the performance when we do it. You can do that, as, as I said, by uh, reaching us on Twitter or on Facebook. We're very easy to find just do that send us any suggestions that you like you can also send them to each of us individually myself sue randy robin darren uh, kerry cat suki philip any of the crew um, we'll all take any suggestions that you have and and we'll as i say we will try to include them in the episode itself this will be coming up we're planning to record it in a couple of weeks time uh, hopefully it will be going out therefore in three to four weeks time that's the hope uh, it may be a little bit longer i don't get very much time to edit this and we want to make sure that it's right when it goes out but rest assured if you make any of these suggestions we will do whatever we can to get them involved obviously you can't control what everybody does and if they forget <laughs> partway through the episode and don't remember until the end there's nothing you can do about that but we will do what we can to get lines that you suggest or character traits or plots involved in the episode so please let us have those as soon as you can and we'll get you involved in some way shape or form with this very special episode that we're doing okay uh in the meantime we will see you again hopefully next week if not in a couple of weeks time all right cheers thank you bye-bye from all of us here on bbc one a very good night good night